another episode of classic gaming brothers i'm zach and i'm seth and we are the classic gaming brothers that's right we are the classic gaming brothers we for are. for episode one of season two oh. of the classic gaming brothers i thought such just had a memory fart I think back maybe in time. I did. funny that you say go back in time i because uh, uh, that's uh, in theme with today's episode mm. not with my recently played though that's okay that's kind of with my recently played though yeah well um how how have you been i've been well i've been well that's- Seth. Because I've been playing some great games, some great video games. It's true. We're through spooky season, post-spooky season, and now we're in the Christmas season. It is the holiday season. The holiday season. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's. There's a couple others, I assume. There's like, I think like 30 different holidays. There's a bunch of holidays this season. After today's episode, there will only be two more episodes till Christmas. That's right. So if you're counting down for Christmas, just tell yourself there are two more episodes till Christmas. Well, and this episode. Well, and the, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, do yeah, have to get yeah, to the yeah. end of this episode, and then you'll have two more episodes, and then it'll be Christmas. That's right. Look at that. Seth, what have you been recently playing? Uh, recently, I picked up a game called Empire of Sin, which is a game that came out the 1st of December of 2020. It is a mafia-type game. Well, it's a game that's themed around the mafia. A lot of people are saying that's like very similar to XCOM, where it's um, a strategic unit moving game where you play as mobsters and you're attempting to take over neighborhoods and there's multiple neighborhoods that you can take over. There is also like an in-depth management type system. So once you take over like a brewery or a speakeasy, uh, you need to put guards on it. You need to increase its like quality and its ambience to get more people to go in um, in order to get money and take territory. There are also other mob bosses in the area. Uh, so you have to work with them to accomplish either goals together to help each other out or to get into fights with them. Uh, it was developed by Romero Games, who uh, is led by John Romero and his wife and published by Paradox Games. So far, I'm about two and change hours into the game. I went through the tutorial and am just kind of getting into the beginning missions. Um, and I've been enjoying it. It's been fun. I think there was a lot of hype around it. So when it launched, it actually got some mixed reviews and is now still sitting at a mixed review right now. I think it's it's good. Is it mind-blowing? No. Is it worth... I So I paid like $40 for it. Is it worth that? Maybe. I liked it enough that I didn't return it, which is, I think, saying something for today's day and age. But I definitely would recommend that like you, before buying the game, uh, review it and look at it and check it out to see if the type of game and genre 
fits what you like to play. So like I've been playing through as a character by the name as Frankie Donovan, who's from Ireland and is most recently in Chicago because he's running away from Boston. And his power is that he can go crazy and beat somebody with his hurling stick that he carries around. And if he does that and he kills them with his hurling stick then the power resets, so then he can do it again. So I actually spent the majority of my um, beginning of the game just using that one character and just killing every bad guy because his power would just keep resetting and then he would just keep chaining it. So it was a lot of fun. And you recruit people and you get like a squad. Um, I don't know how big the squad is that you can recruit and everybody you recruit takes money from you. So you need a big squad to do things. But if you have a big squad, then you lose a lot of money. So like right, I haven't been able to post a profit yet in the game. So I'm still kind of working on that my objective right now is to just take up more and more properties but yeah so what about you zach what have you been playing so seth recently i've been playing a little game called star wars jedi knight dark forces 2 which is the sequel to the dark forces 1 game you were playing i was i was playing dark forces 1 <laughs> back in episode 50 um ah. and now playing dark forces 2 uh dark forces 2 for those who don't know it's a 1997 first person shooter developed and published by LucasArts for Microsoft Windows, is a sequel to 1995's Star Wars Dark Forces. Second installment in the Jedi Knight series is later followed up with uh, Mysteries of the Sith, which is a spinoff game, and then Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, and then Jedi Knight 3, Jedi Academy, which I wish was called Jedi Knight 3, Jedi Outcast 2, Jedi Academy. I wish they were really bad. Dark Forces 4. Didn't we? We referenced Mysteries of the Sith, but we called it Mysteries of something else. Probably. Didn't we say Mysteries of the Seth? Mysteries of the Seth. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, our fan Dylan said that Mysteries of the Sith sounds like Veggie Tales. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean... It is it a, it's the VeggieTales game. Anyway, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 is uh, set one year after the Return of the Jedi, the sixth film in the Star Wars franchise. It follows returning protagonist Kyle Katarn, mercenary working for the New Republic, who discovers he has a connection to the Force and he can use a lightsaber now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, after that was after he swam in some Force, right? Yeah, so uh, his, he find, his father has long been murdered and he's like on the hunt for the guy who killed his father, who is this guy named Jarek. And uh, yeah, he has to go to the a place called the Valley of the Jedi, which gives him force powers. If if you're into the modern Star Wars canon, maybe you can say it injects him with medichlorians. Oh, no, I think he just bathes in it. That's that's better. Yeah, back then, back then there weren't medichlorians, so he, he just he just he just swam in the medies. He the medichlorians swam in the medies. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Does do you think do you think the medichlorians climb into your brain to give you the force? Yeah. <laughs> I think they do. After you bathe in them? Yeah, I think I think they do. I think they climb into like your brain and then they go into your blood and you got force powers. So I don't I don't know how um Oh, are, are you done talking? Are you done with the uh... Yeah, I'm I'm done with Dark Forces. It's a good game. Uh, Dark Forces 2. It's a good game. It's a good game. I uh I don't know how I'm going to title this episode, but uh this episode we are there is a phantom in it, which is like Phantom Menace. Wow. But a, has nothing to do with Star reach. Wars. And it is it is pretty much a reach. It is a game called Return of the Phantom, which, Zach, why yes. don't you tell us a little bit about Return of the Phantom and why it's a glorious game? Yeah. So Return of the Phantom is a semi-sequel retelling of The Phantom of the Opera. Now, for those of us who aren't literary experts, The Phantom of the Opera was written in 1909 by French writer Gaston Leroux. The story was originally serialized in the French newspaper 
La Galois from 1909 to 1910. Uh, the novel was based on the actual history of the Paris opera during the 19th century and a popular apocryphal tale about the opera, which was a story about a former ballet pupil having his skeleton being used in the 1841 production of Der Frauschwitz. I don't know if that's a true story, as it's an apocryphal story, but apparently it was enough of a story that Gaston LaRue was like, that is what I'm going to write a book based on. <laughs> and you know what? I'm guessing that that skeleton being used as a prop probably saved the opera some money because they just had that skeleton just laying around. Yeah, absolutely. So LaRue was heavily inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, especially involving their mystery and horror that they liked to write about. The plot of Phantom of the Opera, it centers around the Palais Le Garnier Opera House in Paris. It is believed to be haunted by the opera ghost. The ghost appears to be plaguing the opera in hopes of pushing forward the career of a young actress named Christine Daae. And Christine is romantically entwined with the Viscount Raoul de Chagny, who has become a target of the wrath of the Phantom. Shenanigans ensue. It's a very long, long book. It was published over the course of over a year, or so through the newspaper. Yeah. So it's also a very long production. Oh, the if play you watch it, or the, the, you the watch musical? The musical? Yes, the musical, which originally came out in, I believe, 1986, was uh, produced by Andrew Lloyd Webber, and that kind of that that really accelerated the fame of the Phantom of the Opera. I th- I want to say the Phantom of the Opera is the reason that Andrew Lloyd Webber has a career. hundred oh, percent. So the game now, Return of the Phantom, came out in 1993 and was developed and published by Microprose for MS-DOS. Like Dragon Sphere, the last game we talked about, the game utilized the Microprose Adventure Development System and made use of a 256 color graphics. A CD version came out, and it featured full voices for the characters. The audio, as Seth and I say, is very, very good. The game was written and designed by Raymond Benson. Benson later went on to become the official author for the James Bond books from 1997 until 2003. Since 1988, he was working on officially licensed James Bond products, such as a 1988 companion book, and worked on a few James Bond video games and RPG modules. So the the Phantom of the Opera is actually, for me, um, one of my favorite musicals. In fact, I loved it as a child. And I think a lot of my love for the musical itself stemmed from my love of this game. And this game was like my gateway to my appreciation of musicals, which is humorous because beyond the the MIDI score, which is very good in this game, beyond that MIDI score, there's no real music in this game. And they're, they don't sing and dance. In fact, the story of Return of the Phantom is that the, the opera is uh, the Palais... Garnier, which is the building's name of the opera, uh, is about to unveil a world premiere of Don Juan Triumphant. Now, Don Juan Triumphant is the supposed musical that Eric, the opera ghost, wrote in the in Phantom of the Opera, in all of Phantom of the Opera. That's his score that he's written. It, so in this game, they get the score and they're they're unveiling the premiere of it. And during the premiere the chandelier in the opera house falls into the audience. And spoiler alert, if you have never seen any Phantom anything, that happens a lot in Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) Chandeliers just, that's like part of the thing, right? That's the shtick. Like that's the Phantom's like ultimate like gotcha move is that he'll drop a chandelier on you. After that, he's he's pretty much helpless. Um, But that's his superpower, the ability to drop chandeliers. He should join the Freedom Force. He should. That should be his uh, (laughs) sad origin story. Yeah, can drop 
chandeliers. So you play as Raul Montag in the game. Montad, Montag, Montand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Mont- Montad. Who is a detective of the Surete, which is the French National Police, who also happens to be a patron of the opera, and also is best friends with Monsieur Brie, who runs and is the manager of the opera. So conveniently, when this crime happens and like people are killed after the chandelier has fallen, they determined that you can just investigate it because you're already here because you're attending the opera. Now, your buddy, Monsieur Brie, suspects that there is it's a copycat criminal acting out kind of like what the Phantom did 100 years ago. So you, as the crack detective that Raoul is, have to go around the opera picking up random stuff, carrying them around, and asking people questions. The opera and Monsieur Brie, who's the manager, in their all-seeing wisdom and knowledge, decided that they would send every single employee home because of the situation. It's wicked smart. In- including everyone that works backstage who would have access to where a chandelier could be cut. In fact, the dialogue goes something like, oh, we sent everybody home because this was a stressful situation. If you need to talk to people, come back in the morning. I was like, well, if the person who did it was sent home, I don't think they're going to come back in the morning. Like, they're just going to leave Paris because they just killed, like, ten people. You do get to meet some people who are obsessed with their work and are still working at the opera even after there is a murder. Those people, as you explore this mostly empty opera house, are such as Charles, the stage manager who either has a cold or a coke problem because he has to audibly sniff during most lines of dialogue, where in the dialogue itself, it is written out, is sniff in parentheses, because the game could be played on a three and a a half floppy disk or a CD-ROM, and only the CD-ROM had audio, so they needed to convey that he sniffed to people who didn't get the audio of him sniffing. Yeah, that coke habit was really important. I mean mid-90s maybe um there is also uh, a child named julie geary who you meet who is in her room practicing her ballet moves by herself and is like 12 and julie geary believes that the phantom is real and is going after christine florent and then there's christine florent who is the opera star who also bears a striking resemblance to christine die and they may be related but that's undetermined (laughs) they never make it clear they never make it clear except that christine florent is an orphan from the same country scandinavia that christine die is from and fled there with her lover the Vicomte de Chagny. And you're you're meant to do this assumptions, right? The, I think part of the fun part is that you walk through this opera house. You can walk backstage. You can walk all over the place. You can kind of go almost wherever you want. The To get to the rooms that, the, that Julie and Christine are on, you have to go into like this back room where there's this huge staircase and you have to walk up this one staircase and then you have to walk all the way across the whole screen again and then you have to go into the door and in there, in that room, there are two doors and one of them has Julie in it. The other one does not. It is locked. There's nobody else in that other room. 
then you have to leave, then you have to go up another giant set of staircase over the the whole screen again to go into another room where there are two more doors and Christine Florent is behind one of those rooms. But it's like unnecessarily large and feels like you're in a New York apartment, like like those like just like staircases going straight up. It's just weird. Like they could have designed those areas a little bit better. They're in your initial quest in the modern day, you have to figure out who dropped the chandelier. And you do so by collecting items. And these items include light filters, a sandbag that f- comes and almost falls in your head, and then you decide to carry it around. And it is 10 pounds, and you do not use it. You pick it up and you carry it around. There is no use for the sandbag in the game. There are some notes spread throughout the the game that you pick up that are from the Opera Ghost. And eventually you turn all your evidence over to Monsieur Brie. There's a scream in the background and you go to where Christine is and she's dead. Uh, She was killed by the Phantom and Julie says the Phantom just killed her and has fled to the catwalk. So then you go to the catwalk to confront this person who just killed Christine Florent, who you just met. And you get to the catwalk and you get jumped by Phantom and you get thrown to the stage from the catwalk where you somehow, when you awake, you are in the past and you are in the 1800s in the exact same opera. Yeah, because Raul's dead and he went to a weird hell and that hell is the 1800s. <laughs> you get to meet a whole new cast of characters and there are some changes to the opera. Like there's a modern stage booth that Charles is behind and in the past there's only like a podium and there's some different set tr- decorations around. So they they over they redrew every room, but the rooms are still functionally the same. You then uh, meet a whole bunch of new people who include Monsieur Richard, who is the opera manager, and is, I personally feel, far more jovial than Monsieur Brie. Monsieur Richard is also your best friend in the past. And they all think that you're Raoul de Chagny, the Vicomte. You also meet Christine Dye, who is the obsession of the Phantom. You meet Madame Giry, who is in charge of the private boxes, who is the great-grandmother of Julie Geary. You also meet Jacques, who is a prompter who would sit in the prompter's booth and yell lines. Well, he would tell lines to opera people if they forgot their lines, the actors. But uh, he ends up being a casualty and the only one in this entire game. And then you also meet Edgar Degas, who is... Uh, there supposedly painting it is edgar degas who is a a famous painter he knows that you are from the future he doesn't add anything of value to the game beyond making weird comments about loving to paint ballerinas there is in the game a edgar degas painting in christine florence room in the modern day so you would assume that it is unfinished in the past it is not it is still there in christine Daae's room but as a completed uh, Edgar Degas painting so maybe the opera commissioned him to do multiple paintings he just adds some really weird comments about loving painting little girls which is just strange you pretty much have to collect in the past all the same crap that you collected in the present except instead of picking up a sandbag you pick up a like a lantern and some like rope and I mean, you just pick up a bunch of random crap um <laughs> you eventually are able to talk to Christine Dye and she tells you that you have to go because she needs to get her singing lessons from the angel of music who is 
the Phantom of the Opera. So you leave, and as soon as you leave, you hear her talking to the Phantom, and you decide that you are going to use the fire axe that is conveniently located only next to her room and to chop down her door. And then she is gone, and then it says, like, an hour later, and you are in Monsieur Richard's office, and you're like, Christine Dye is gone, and he's like, did you really have to use a fire axe to chop down her door? Luckily, we replaced it. I was like, in an hour? And then, of course, Christine Dye walks in and says, no, no, don't worry, I'm here. So you... You go up and you go to the box and you watch the the production. During the production, the Phantom drops down from the catwalk, steals Christine Die, and during which he kills Jacques, the only person to die in this game. You then go to Jacques's corpse. He, the Phantom, conveniently wa- dropped a skeleton key. You pick it up and you go through a secret passage that you already discovered and you finally solve some puzzles. So throughout the end, you solve some some pretty hard puzzles and some pretty easy ones. In fact, you've, there's a maze puzzle that is very difficult and there's no real clues on how to solve it that, that I remember that I couldn't find any clues in my last playthrough. There's a switch puzzle that's pretty tough, but there is a clue in the game to solve it. And there's a picture puzzle that's really easy. Uh, you just have to make the phantom mask and it's obvious how to do it. There's also a music puzzle, but it's just remembering something that somebody said to you. Essentially, Jacques tells you his favorite, the phantom's favorite song and you need to remember that song but don't worry if you fail at any of these puzzles you immediately die and respawn so that's okay uh you eventually free christine and escape with her the phantom attacks you you attack him back he vanishes you flee escape to the box that the secret passage was in the phantom reappears kidnaps christine die again you follow them to the catwalk and then you descend to the chandelier where you have your final epic fight with the phantom in which you get a zoomed in FMV video of both Raul's face and the Phantom's face and in this game there is no other full motion video so this is the only full motion video and it's like zoomed in face fights of these two guys it's beautiful of and while you're facing off with the Phantom Christine Die just leaves she just gets up and just hauls out of there um the chandelier snaps and f- collapses and you wake up and you're on a couch back in the wonderful age of 1994 where Christine Florent and your buddy Monsieur uh, Brie are back and they catch you back up to speed. They're concerned about you because you fell off a catwalk, but they're just leaving you on the, you know, there's no one else. There's no paramedics or anything. They eventually decide that they're going to call a doctor after you fell off a catwalk. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why, where's the ambulance? Like, I would have called the ambulance. Uh, you find out that the chandelier didn't cla- fall in the modern day. And you find, and obviously, Christine Florence not dead. She is still alive. And there is no modern fan of the opera ghost guy. Your guy was just on a weird coke bender. <laughs> yeah, probably. You and Charles got high behind the, <laughs> yeah. the opera. Um, you then go and you read a book that was written by Julie Geary's great grandmother. And it just talks about how the phantom and raul died on that day back in the 1800s and that was the end of both raul and the phantom where both of them were buried and then it says and that's the end of the phantom and then the a big shadow appears of the phantom behind you and it says across the bottom of the game or is it and then it rolls credits and that's the entirety of the game 
Oh, that was beautiful. The one thing that I also think is funny is in the very beginning, you poke your head out of the prompter's booth. This is like three scenes into the very beginning of the game. And the phantom guy walks across the stage and... You then you get down from the prompter's booth and you climb up onto the stage. You talk to Charles and he's like, nah, I haven't seen anybody. <laughs> but like the Phantom just walked from your section of the stage. So it's just, we don't know like where, where the game is just weird when it comes to where the fantasy and the reality kind of blend. But Zach. Yes. That was the entirety of the game. Yeah. How was this game received? Yeah. Let's do the numbers. So, um... Return of the Phantom received actually some fairly good reviews for the time. Questbusters, a monthly newsletter, called it, quote-unquote, high-quality game with a few bugs, and praised the game for use of professional actors, a designer with real-world Broadway experience, and an original Bach-inspired score. They went on to also say... That Microprose uses their own unique adaptation of the classical animation overlaying process, also called rotoscoping, producing a very lifelike final animation video. Numerous digital sound effects round off the experience. So basically, it was a very technically well-received game. Another magazine, Computer Gaming World, had a bit more of a mixed review. They stated that while the game's plot was gripping and intriguing, it was overall slow and lacked keyboard shortcuts, which most modern adventure games had at the time. They also said the game was only offering about 12 to 18 hours of gaming for the average player, despite the price tag of $69.95, which at the time was $124. So yeah, it's a very and expensive game that was decently sized, not incredibly long. So, and that says that the game is 12 to 18 hours. If you play it on Novice, you can beat it in five. Yes. The magazine did praise the rotoscoped animation, referring to it as, quote unquote, as fluid and lifelike as that of any computer product to date, and overall concluded that the game was best suited for those who preferred story over puzzles. Now, Computer Gaming World also strongly criticized the voice acting. It referred to the CD-ROM version as a, quote unquote, disappointment and stated that it needed more rehearsals prior to release now the exact sale figures for the game aren't really noted anywhere that i could find but i did find a 1993 article from the baltimore sun regarding the financial status of microprose and it indicated that quote high costs and poor sales of some of its fantasy computer games caused microprose to lose 4.9 million dollars in the three months that ended march 31st in their fiscal year. So that being said, <laughs> Phantom might have been an overall decent game. It was not a uh, blockbuster hit for Microprose, to say the least, where their adventure games of the 90s had cost them a considerable amount of money. Currently, you can purchase uh, Return to the Phantom for $7.99 on Steam, and I'm pretty sure it's the same on GOG. Right. They're they're definitely more of a nostalgia trip and a very de- like specific nostalgia trip. If if you didn't grow up playing these Microprose games, you, you may have no desire for them at all. <laughs> I bought it because the only other way, way to to play return of the phantom was through a version that was available on like abandonware which i think we had to get special things to get it to run properly and it was a process so i picked it up the moment it was available because i have that memory of it yeah and the, the game is definitely an abandonware type game um and you could pro i think you could play the three and a half inch version for I think that's it's, it's free on Abandonware. Yeah, still, it still is, and, free. and that's and that's easy to emulate. You could just use it in DOSBox, and it runs fine. 
It just doesn't have the, the version you purchase amazing. is also through DOSBox. It's true, but it's optimized so that you can run the CD. That's true. That's true. Sound. The three and a half inch version is easier to emulate than the CD version yes. that has the audio. So if you want glorious voice acting, it's easier to buy the game than to get it through um, abandonware. But I guess it's not really abandoned anymore, but it still is a little bit. So yeah, that's uh, that's Return of the Phantom. The second half it's a to our silly game it is a very silly game. This is the second half to our anniversary episode, which the first half we talked about Dragon Sphere, and now we talk about Return of the Phantom, which is very similar to Dragon Sphere because it uses the exact same engine. It was created by the exact same people, and it stars some of the same people. There's actually a Sultan character in Dragon Sphere who is the same voice as Monsieur Richard, who is a serious phantom. Uh, he's a serious phantom manager. He's, he's the manager of all phantoms. Uh, he's a serious opera manager. So it's funny hearing the same voice, especially after playing like back to back Dragon Sphere and Phantom. I'm just expecting Richard, uh, Monsieur Richard to be like, oh, do you want to play this game of chance with me now? Because he's got a very uh, Sultan-y voice. But, but. yes. Seth. That's going to be our phantom episode we're gonna get into our bi pass i think yes i think that's i think we gotta i think that i think we gotta we gotta do it i'm I, I if you're interested at all playing the game you can just listen back to my description of it slowly and that's it it's like you're playing it except you're not it, it is you can almost close your eyes and just picture really 256 color graphics of people moving across the screen and if you really want to picture raul the best way to picture him is picture the stereotypical french man that's raul <laughs> he's got a, yes he's got the funny mustache and everything yeah he does he does which is it's very difficult to see except in the fmv at the very end of the game yeah so uh for my byway pass uh there's a game called coffee Dewar business detective game it's a game that's being developed by doji uh, D-O-J-I okay. and is to be released in Q4 of 2020. Oh, so that's like looking at the looking at the calendar yeah. there's not a lot of q4 left of 2020 yeah that th- that queue is running out that queue is in fact running out i guess unless your unless your fiscal year starts differently but it says q4 of 2020 so that's december yeah, and usually usually sale quarters are different than fiscal year quarters. True. The uh the game does have a demo which I have downloaded. I have not played it because while I was thinking about the game that I wanted to think about to, that I was interested in what a game that called to me this was the game that did and I I beyond kind of looking at some of the imagery and and deciding that I need to download the demo and watching the video is that's pretty much where I'm at with it right now mm. it's a noir comic book art styled business management game that has this detective story with it, that's in cool. it which is just I think a fun concept together um I like business management games i also like detective stories so i'm gonna see if i like both of them combined nice i don't think i've played a business management detective game before where you control your detective agency and have to worry about payroll as well as solving murders or i guess it could be more than murders it could be solving crimes that are like thefts and robberies and all those i really hope that i'm able to name my detective and my detective agency because maybe I'll call it the Surete, and my main detective will be Raul, <laughs> and we'll only investigate opera-related crimes. I was expecting you to laugh more. I, uh, I'm laughing on the inside. Oh, good, good. So what are you uh, excited about? Oh, I'm going to put a weight down. Oh, Sorry. yes, yeah. It's going to be a weight 
I'm going to play the demo. If I like the demo, I'll buy it. If I don't like the demo, I won't. (laughs) Well, the game that I'm interested in by waiting and passing on is a game called The USB Found in the Grass. That sounds fun. Yes. So The USB Found in the Grass is uh, also shortened to T-U-S-F-I-T-G, is a quote unquote a forensic puzzle game where you have to find out who the owner of a usb stick was and reconstruct their story so it's a quote unquote investigation narration indie game where you find a usb and you have to figure out who owned that usb by going through the files it's being developed by i believe this is a person named marcin barkowski Uh, and published by a company called BPP. And it looks very, very cool, mostly because it looks like you are very nearly literally putting a USB stick in your computer and figuring out who who created it. So here's here's a bit more about the game. Um, the the guy creating it um, describes it as saying it's it's really hard to describe this as a game because it's more of a combination of literary work and forensic puzzle. He he describes it very similarly to being like another game called A Normal Lost Phone, which I've never heard of, or Her Story. And the significant difference between those games. And this game is that in the usb found in the grass it's as close to the real thing as possible it it says the usb drive you'll be investigating is real the tools you will be using are real some of them you already have on your computer others you'll have to find and download and it looks like if something looks like it can be checked it can be checked if something can't be checked that was our intention it's simply the result uh, oh excuse me if something can't be checked it wasn't our intention it's simply the result of built-in technological limitations. The The description likes to remind you, sometimes it is the journey that is more important than the destination. <laughs> it looks very, very cool. It almost looks ARG-ish. Yeah, very ARG-ish. Um, alternate reality game. It, it really, it, it just looks like a very cool idea. The idea that you get this from the way it looks, you legitimately get a USB stick, you plug it into your computer, and you have to figure out who owned that USB stick by going through the files available on it and cross referencing them um, with different tools and stuff that your computer has to offer. Um, I think these type of games are really interesting. It kind of reminds me of an escape room. It's one of those things that I think will be very interesting to see progress. Right now, I have it down on my wish list, and I am going to put it down as a wait, um, just because I kind of want to learn more about what exactly their plan is. Um, because even on Steam, it's very limited on what they what they're describing. In fact, Steam just says <laughs> we're learning about this game, but the um, planned release date is January 2021. So I'm definitely going to put this down as a wait. I'm definitely going to put this on my wish list. I'm going to do a little bit more research and maybe try to snag it when it's available. Exciting. Well, that is our anniversary episode part two. That is our anniversary episode part two. Also known as episode... Oh, perhaps this is episode zero of season two. So you want to listen, contact us, and support us. First off, you want to be able to listen to us. How do you listen to us? Well, you're already doing it, so you found one way. Uh, You can continue along the way that you've been doing it, or you could check us out on any... Any other listening app that you may want, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, where, wherever, we're there. Um, so if you have a more preferred listening app, you can search for us there. We'll, we'll be there. Not just let us know and we'll be able to try and get onto whatever your preferred listening app is. You can also, if you want to listen to us, you can go to our website, which is ClassicGamingBrothers.com. And at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, you can 
right there will be the list of episodes and you could just play and listen straight from the website. Now, while you are there, if you want to contact us, you can just click on the contact button and you can go to our contact form and you can fill that out and you can send us some, some feedback. If you send us feedback through an email or through a contact form, uh, you will be entered to win a free video game. And we draw them and you win them pretty irregularly. But, you know, send something in. We'll say hello. If you want to, you can also just send us an email, at which is going to be at ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. You can also send it to Seth at ClassicGamingBrothers, Zach at ClassicGamingBrothers, or Classic Gaming Brothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. It doesn't matter. They'll all get to our inbox one way or the other. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Facebook and Instagram and Twitch are all at Classic Gaming Brothers. Uh, so Twitch being twitch.tv slash Classic Gaming Brothers. Um, on Facebook and uh, Instagram, we generally release information about our episodes and we may share additional content through there on twitch we play video games and you can watch us play video games we usually play them poorly but it's usually a fun time and we'll we'll chat with you if you want to chat and you'll be able to see our beautiful faces if you or as our mother likes to say faces only radio could love finally there's also our twitter which is cg brothers pod where we also tweet out episodes and reshare funny stuff finally if you want to support us you you're already doing so Give each episode a listen and check us out. Send us feedback. Tell us what we did wrong or what we did right and or tell three friends. Go on out there and convince three people to listen to the podcast because if somebody likes something a lot, they'll tell three people. If they don't like it, they'll tell many more. So we always just want to hedge our bets. And let me tell you, you tell three people. Finally, if you want to support us, you can always give us a review or rating on whatever app you're listening to us ratings and reviews do great they tell us so i don't know what they do great at but i the algorithm probably likes them so go on there if you want more people to listen to classic gaming brothers and who doesn't sure there's a bunch of people don't but if you want more people to listen give us a rating uh we also have a merch shop it's still the same stuff no update on that front maybe one day for christmas there'll be something there maybe zach Zach and i just like stared at each other with mouths agape as we made a commitment that maybe there'll be something there for christmas that's what dad used to say if we wanted something but we weren't going to get it yeah that's true someday for christmas someday for christmas was the the purest way of saying never no (laughs) (laughs) and so that's it that's that's all the things that you could do i is there is there anything else that i'm missing no oh wait yes there is one thing i think Hold on. Oh, yeah. Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. That's That's right. right. Yes, what is it? Are you Charles? Yes, I am Charles. Please, tell me about your job here at the theater. I'm the stage manager. (laughs) 